Welcome to The Motivated Mind, where I challenge you to expand your perspective on how to achieve a successful life through motivational lessons, reflections, and interviews with other motivated minds. Welcome back to The Motivated Mind, a top 100 health podcast, thanks to each of you. This is episode 289, and I'm your host, Scott Lynch. Thanks so much for listening. If I've brought you any value, please be sure to leave a review and hit that subscribe or follow button. Don't be a stranger. Shoot me a DM on Instagram or Facebook and let me know what you want to hear more of. And please be sure to share the podcast. Today we have another special guest that joins the pod, Molly Fletcher, hailed as the female Jerry Maguire by CNN. Molly made a name for herself as one of the first female sports agents. During her almost two-decade career as president of CSE, Molly negotiated over $500 million in contracts and represented over 300 of sports' biggest names, including Hall of Fame pitcher John Smoltz, PGA Tour golfer Matt Kuchar, broadcaster Aaron Andrews, and basketball championship coaches Tom Izzo and Doc Rivers. As a world's top 50 keynote speaker, she delivers her inspiring messages to audiences around the world. She is also the author of five books, including The Energy Clock, Fearless at Work, and A Winner's Guide to Negotiating. Molly is also the founder and host of the Game Changers with Molly Fletcher podcast, where she interviews experts and celebrities such as Matthew McConaughey, Troy Aikman, Arthur Blank, and Simon Sinek. Her insights have been featured in prestigious media outlets, including CNN, ESPN, Forbes, Fast Company, and Sports Illustrated. Molly and I dive into the ingredients of greatness, the return of action, how we can build confidence, analyzing our mistakes with speed, the importance of surrounding ourselves with those that tell us the truth, the way in which our purpose can serve and lift us, getting clear on our values and legacy, the invasive weed of complacency and how we eradicate it, and lastly, the desire to get better and creating sustainability around this. I hope you all enjoy our conversation. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. 
Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like it's allowed me to be more creative because I've been able to simplify the admin aspect of my podcast and focus on developing more valuable and creative content. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. We have a knack for categorizing stuff, categorizing things all the time, and not necessarily that it's a bad thing, right? We're very binary, good or bad, but there's a title that I've come up with, uh, Thought Shifter, such as yourself. And I've spoken to people like Chris Voss or Captain Sandy, and the category that I've labeled kind of put you guys in is mindset chefs, as I like to call them, right? And you've had the opportunity to see the ingredient card of high performance and greatness. What ingredients would you say sit on that card? Hmm. I love the way you asked that question, Scott. That's cool. Well, I mean, I, I actually, I think there's several things, but I actually boil them down into eight, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, I think they're, they, they have a limitless mindset, right? So they believe in what's possible. They they tell themselves inside a change, and you were, you used the word earlier, adapt adaptability. They 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 lean into those with a with a mindset of what's possible. What if what what good could come out of this? So mindset's huge. You know, curiosity, right? Like you think about. I mean, I remember with my baseball players. You know, they're always tinkering with their their arm slot or their 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 grip, or if they have something going on with their body, their fingers, their feet, they, they have to adjust. So they're always curious about how to continue to tweak to get a little bit better because they live in a world where if you don't get better every day, you literally lose your job. I mean, you and they can see, by the way, the people behind them that are trying to take their job. They can see their stats. They can see everything. So they're constantly curious about how to get better. I think they the, the best ones have a really clear purpose. They know why they do what they do. And often it's not about them. It's about the people that they have an opportunity to make an impact on, the teammates, the, the opportunity to lead and to mold young rookie guys. If you're a veteran guy, for example, you've used this word a lot too, man. I mean, discipline, they're disciplined, they're resilient. You know, I think the best are really confident in, in, a, in a healthy way, right? I mean, because you have to have an enormous amount of that level of confidence to have gotten there, right? And I believe confidence comes through action, but you have to have a ton of confidence to step out on the field. I mean, we're approaching, you know, the Super Bowl. And and I think that there are people who deeply care about relationships, the good ones. And then I think the big one, and I wrote a book about it, is they manage their energy incredibly well. They're, they're really focused on the kinds of things that they need to do to perform at their very best from an energy management perspective, more than what business people focus on, which is often time. Right. So those things to me are the things that bubble up. I mean, we can go a lot deeper there. There's a lot there, but those are some of the things that I've pulled back and said to me that that's what's on their card, if you will. I love the way you say that. It's isn't it when you see life through this lens of every day's an experiment, you're talking about, you know, simple adjustments. I think when we see life as this opportunity to just test shit, like, will this work? I have no clue. I, I always say on the pod, life is it's a matter of putting action out there. Action creates data. Data allows us to make better decisions. 
And so if we don't take action and we're not refining our craft, our skills, our capabilities, then how do we understand where the walls are? Well, how do we lay out the land? It's like a blank map. You got to draw it somehow. How did early explorers get to draw the map of, you know, the United States or the world? Well, they explored. They they tested. They went different areas. And I think when you could see the world as an opportunity to refine every day, it becomes endless. Like there, there's trillions of possibilities. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and I think it, it's about doing, it's about taking action, you know, and, and I don't know if that came from my parents, but, you know, I believe that if you're going to make change, if you're going to make an impact, I mean, you can't, you can't sit and think your way into confidence. You can't think your way into some of these things in life. You have to do it. Right. Like, I mean, for me, when I was a female stepping into the agent business, I couldn't, everyone I talked to told me it was impossible and you're crazy. Like you didn't play in the big leagues. You didn't coach at the D1 level. Like you didn't play on the PGA tour. Like, what are you doing? But, but when you just go and put yourself in these moments, to your point, you gain the confidence, you learn. And at some level to your, to your question about, I mean, and, and you learn how to shift your mindset to allow you to show up in a way that's going to enable you to make an impact. And it's going to enable you to connect with the people that you need to connect with. And, and that's just going to enable you to explore what's possible. Right. But it comes through doing to your point, hundred percent. Yeah. Cause we, you know, I've said this, this before too, but like our minds are the craziest factory. They can fabricate whatever we want them to fabricate. And that piece of courage, actually, I know back in 2018, I think you interviewed one of my favorite authors, Ryan holiday. And I just got his new book courage. And until we build all these ideas of what we can't do and we fear the possibility of failure greater than understanding the possibility of opportunity of what if I got there. And the only way to break through to those thoughts is to actually put yourself in a vulnerable state where you actually sit there and objectively are like, oh, wow, well, I could do that. And if that's possible, then what if this is possible? And what if this is possible? But we can't get out of that headspace until we walk into or open up that door and go, oh, wow, holy shit, there's there's a lot over here I can do. Yeah. Well, and I think we've got to know too, man, like what, you know, that failure, and, and I think this is an issue in the world today, right? Young kids are not as failure tolerant as I believe maybe my generation was or or other generations were. And failing is a huge part of all of what we're talking about. I mean, right? I mean, because when you put yourself out there and you push yourself and you step into the uncomfortable and you try new things and you you go for things that are a little bit of a stretch, it's not always going to work for anybody. I mean, I saw to your point about, I mean, with, with great athletes, I mean, I saw them fail all the time, but they learned from it and they, they kept going and they, and they knew that the person that was pushing and going for more was creating a person who was a better version of the person that was before. Right. But, but we got to tell ourselves the right story in those moments. And I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, our minds are, I mean, I would be standing behind home plate at a big league ballpark watching BP and guys would, you know, managers would think I was somebody's wife or girlfriend. And why are you, why are you guys over there talking and hitting on that chick right now? You should be taking BP. <laughs> and you know, and they're like, dude, that's my agent to the manager on the range. And, and, you know, and what we tell, to your point about the mind, what we tell ourselves in that moment has everything to do with what outcome we create for ourselves and for others. 
Right. And, and, and that's where that self-talk, that story, it, it's everything. So not only your experience, but those that you've been the agent to in those moments of failure, right? I think for a lot of people, like you were saying, the tolerance level and generations about bouncing back through through failure. The only way that we get that data is through that failure. But how have you and some of these other sports players, how what have they leveraged to get themselves back up? Because the the ride down is is bumpy. But the opportunity is in the moment to stand back up and say, yes, but now I know better so that therefore I can do better. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, a, a lot of athletes Well, number one, I mean, they and I think we as business people need this, too, but they have people around them that tell them the truth. The, the best ones do. And they listen to them. Now, there's a there's there's a laundry list of guys out there and gals that don't that have a whole bunch of people to tell them what they want to hear. But the really, really good ones have people that tell them the things that they need to hear. And they have people around them that need nothing from them. The best ones do. That need nothing from them for that person to be the best version of themselves. And I always, when I was an agent, always tried to play that role. That to be someone that they knew I was going to tell them the truth. But I was going to do it with love. And I was doing it because I cared about them and I wanted the best for them. So, so, so having the ability to put people around you like that, to tell you the truth, to give you tough feedback. It's, it's massive. But I think to your, to your question, athletes also go to film. When I would have a guy struggling, I had a baseball player once, for example, who was, he was like, Oh, for his last 40 at the plate. Right. Like he was, and he was a veteran guy. I mean, he was, he was good. He all-star. I mean, he should be out there, but he was getting in his head. And I was talking to him one day and he was going down to the park early to go to early batting practice because he was going to start changing his swing. And, and I'm thinking to myself, dude, that's not the problem, right? The problem is it's in your mind, right? The problem, it's not physical. And so I went down the hall to my film team and I had them put together like a two and a half minute video of just one sick at bat after another, like one just going opposite field, hitting it through the gap, rounding the bases, guys coming in from the dugout. I mean, just one just ridiculous moment, two and a half minutes. And I said to him, hey, listen, before tonight's game, just watch this video. Like, because I needed him to reset his mind. I needed him to see how good he was and that it wasn't a swing issue. It was a mindset issue. And he had to step into the box knowing I'm good enough and I can do this. And he went like two for four that night, I think with a bomb in the bottom of the seventh or eighth inning. But so we though, as business people need our own version of that, right? Because it's not film maybe for us. So maybe it's your purpose statement. Maybe it's great notes and emails from customers and clients. Maybe it's People that are around you that you make, you know, that, that lift you up. They tell you the truth, but they lift you up. You know, those things are really, really important as well. So, and what I have found too is the, whether it's a business person, you know, a stay-at-home mom, whether it's an athlete, the best ones flip that switch fast. They don't go down the rabbit hole of negativity for long. I mean, they're... You know, great coaches make bad calls. Great athletes miss shots they should make. I mean, they do, obviously. But the best ones pull back and say, okay, what did I do wrong? What can I do better? What do I need to fix next time? Is there anything from a system perspective I need to change? Is there anything from a process perspective I need to change? And then they do it, but they do it fast. They don't sit there and and dwell in it for long because that's when it gets really dangerous. Yeah, you 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 hit a, that that I feel is the core piece that I think a lot of people struggle with is looking at things from a non emotional standpoint. Like I heard this fact that 
emotions only last actually seven seven seconds. The chemical signaling of emotions only scientifically lasts seven seconds. So if it lasts longer, anger, hate, greed, any of those things, even motivation, right, then that means we are choosing to hold on to that thing and pull that thing back. And I think when we think about it, looking at areas for opportunity, looking at our, our life film, looking at it from a, I'm not being hard on myself. I'm looking at this as an opportunity to say, where could I have done something differently? Where could I have picked another path? And the opportunity, obviously, had we known that, we would have picked a different action, but now we know. And so whether it's listening to ourselves, I like this purpose piece that you also brought up. I do this anytime before interviews too, or anytime before I record the podcast, reminding myself, why did I do this? Every single time. And if I get, it's like a little drip, an IV like drip in the hospital for you, it boosts you up again. And I think anytime we're going into you know, facing courage or have a have some struggle around vulnerability to just simply remind yourself, why are you doing this thing? And I've said before, too, that the why makes the storms in life feel like the mist in the vegetable aisle at the grocery store. If you could define that, well, then those really tough moments aren't so tough in reality because it's it's like zooming in on stocks. Ooh, it's down 5%. Yeah, but it's up 20% over the last five years not really that big of a dip in when we widen our perspective. Yeah. I mean, recovery, you know, Butch Harmon told me that once he said the biggest difference between the best golfers in the world and, and everybody else, right. The guys and gals winning tournaments and the rest is the recovery piece. But to your point about purpose, I mean, Scott, you know, to me, you know, I saw athletes have to go through long rehabs, right. They had to go through, you know, trades when they didn't want it you know, teams that didn't opt in when they were a free agent, injuries, all these moments. But the the ones that I felt like got back quicker or got themselves squared away quicker were the ones that thought to themselves, you know what? One day that little boy of mine that's playing in that den, he's going to be at an all-star game watching his dad play. And I'm doing it for him, you know? And, and, and my mom and dad did a lot for me. And one day they're going to be in this special moment with me watching me in that moment. And that shift is a really powerful thing. And, and to me, it's anchored in coming outside of yourself to the way in which that purpose will serve and lift up others. And I think when we can go there, the recovery, the change that we're trying to make, the hardship that we're navigating ourselves through feels purposeful. It feels like it matters, Right. I remember I tell this story sometimes when I'm speaking. I mean, when 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 one of my clients, John Smoltz, went from a starter to a closer to a starter, I mean, it made no sense at his age and, and at his point in his career, but it wasn't about John, right? It, pitching wasn't about John. It was about those 24 other guys. It was about his his manager. It was about the fans. It was about the, that's what it was about. And that's why he made that shift. So purpose can drive so much for all of us all the time. What's so much bigger than us, right? We're we're such a a small microscopic. It's like when you take off from a plane, everything's so big when you're on the ground, cars, hangars, other planes. And, and then all of a sudden you lift up and you're like, oh, holy shit, wow, we're kind of 
like small and these things are really negligent that we we worry so much about and then you start getting higher and higher and higher and it really starts to put things in place for you and so i think be, behind that purpose piece is the mission is so much bigger than the individuals whether they be on a team a team in sports or a, a team in you know business when the mission is bigger there's something so much bigger to go for. Like I know Elon Musk is always talking about interplanetary, right? And bringing the human species to a different planet. Well, that's a huge mission. That's a really big reason to keep going every day and continue to boost your energy levels, your fuel reserves up every single day because you are trying to push forward mankind. That is massive. A lot of pressure, but a lot of reason to live and to do. And once we lose that, it's like when someone retires, not all the time, but that starts to deflate, that purpose goes away, you know, motion stops and age creeps in and all of these other things, not for everybody, but for some people. And so that North Star is is such a critical light to walk towards every day. Yeah. I mean, you know, I get the question as a, as a woman, Scott, all the time, like what, what is it, you know, how did you, how did, how did the work-life balance, how did it work? I mean, we had three kids in 12 months. And to me, when you're going through storms, when you're going through challenges and you go back to what you believe you were uniquely created to go do, right? Like, why are you, what are, what is your purpose here? What is that legacy you're supposed to leave? What are your deepest values, right? What do you want on your tombstone? When you can just get clear on that, um, it, it is, it's an absolute game changer to the way you navigate your life, your days, your, your, your mornings, your evenings, your relationships, the way you lead, the way you sell all of it. So it, I, I am a, you know, I always, I, you know, we're talking about purpose. I mean, the thing that's so fascinating to me is every company, pretty much every company, large or small, they've got their values, their purpose. They've got all that. They've got it on their website. They've got it rotting sometimes on their office wall, right? Like, they, they've got it written down. They, some companies and, and businesses lean into it more than others. But it at some level, whether it's for everyone in the organization or the leaders, the, the good organizations leaning to it consistently, daily, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's a part of their language. It's, it's everything. The best ones allow that to help them make decisions about what they say yes to and what they say no to, what, what opportunities are worth chasing and what are not, right? How do we make sure that we stay focused on our path and not get distracted with the things that don't matter? And so it's always amazing to me that people, human beings, Companies have purpose. Why the hell don't people? It feels so fundamental. I mean, this is not complicated. And so I always encourage people to pull back and, you know, ask yourself, right? What are your deepest values? What do you want on your tombstone? What do you want your legacy to be? What do you want people saying about you at your funeral? What do you want on your people? Who's at your 90th birthday party? And what are they saying? And write it down. And then that becomes a really powerful tool to lean into when you're going through tough times, when you're going through challenges. And it's powerful. Yeah, I say that those values are our compass. If we don't know where north, south, west, east is, then how do we navigate? Going back to that 
land analogy. You are so spot on. It blows my mind too that companies, it's like the first, one of the early things that they do and their decisions are predicated on this, especially nowadays. We live in a world where there's shiny objects everywhere. It's so easy to be that squirrel crossing the street and then think they need to bolt back and forth a million times and then they get hit by the car. That is life. You know, that's the, the blunt truth. But if we have those indicators, that compass, maybe we wouldn't run out in front of the car almost every day. We're doing ourselves the biggest disservice, biggest disservice. How for you, you know, how do these values connect to to complacency? I think a lot of people in life, we, we scratched the surface earlier, but a lot of people in life, we get complacent and this complacency creep comes in. And I think one of the things that's always blown my mind too for high performers, those that are great, is that they reach this level, I feel, from the outside looking in at least, where they crack this greatness layer. And then, but yet a lot of people would think that's the top for me. I've done it. Like that's as far as I can go. Uh, Being from New England, Tom Brady, great example. He's like, now that's definitely not the top. And he keeps going and going and going. How can we instill that in ourselves, whether it be with our career, our relationships or our work ethic, any of that stuff? Well, I mean, you know, to me, I gave a TED talk on this, right? Because to me, complacency is this like invasive weed. Do you know what I mean? You know, and, and people don't like to talk about it at all. But if you lined up a bunch of people and said, hey, do you feel a little bit stuck? There's a lot of people that go, yeah, I do. And But if you line up a bunch of people and said, hey, you think you're complacent? Hell no, I'm not. No, no. Because it's like it's it's like this invasive weed that like creeps into your life. And then you 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 wake up one day and you you, you haven't done, gone after, shown up as the person that you always thought you were going to be. And and so to answer your question, right, the best, the Brady's, the Serena's, the LeBron's, these guys and girls, they don't chase achievement. They chase the process. They chase fulfillment. They chase this idea of every day I'm going to get a little bit better. They chase the pursuit of better. They, they have this mindset of go for more, right? Like I can do this again. I can be better than I was yesterday. It's this never ending journey to get better. But what I do believe deeply is when you, 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 there's a whole lot of one and done guys and gals out there, right? That they, they won the national championship and you haven't heard of them again. They won a major golf tournament. You haven't heard of them again. To me, those were people that were so focused on this one silver object that when they got there, they didn't really have a system in place to sustain that moment of success that they had because they were always facing, they were always chasing this one thing. And what happens is, trust me, I've been there when these guys have won and done. And and to your point earlier, it feels amazing for a couple days. It's incredible. But then what? And so if that's all they were focused on, then when the, then when they wake up 48 hours, 72 hours, whatever it is from this dopamine, massive dopamine hit, they go, well, what do I do now? Like if that was what it was all about for me, huh? So, but if you're this person that's waking up, just trying to get a little bit better, trying to improve, trying to show up better, trying to give more, do more, be more, then that's totally sustainable. And it's, it's a real big mindset shift because I, you know, there's so many people talking about burnout right now, right? That people are fried, that the level of demand is significant. And it is, I mean, I think that we live in a world now where the demand is exceeding capacity and at scale. And over time, that's not a sustainable model to live our lives. 
but but when we think about th- this desire to continue to improve, this desire to continue to get better, you know that that is that's sustainable. But if we're chasing the wrong stuff, the the trophies, the accolades, the money, the fancy car, the big house, all that it it ends and it doesn't fill you up. And I saw that so much. I mean, I saw guys have such incredible success and then feel so empty and and then start chasing the wrong stuff. And it always broke my heart. And when, when you, you know, I was sort of starting to talk about burnout. Burnout to me can be offset by healthy drive. And people go, what? Wait, what? Like, but if, but if you love what you do, then I don't believe burnout can really take root, right? But if you don't love what you do and you are really mentally grinding it every day and because it's not aligned with your purpose, it's not aligned with your deepest values, then yeah, you're going to get burned out. That's real. But if you really love what you get to wake up and do, you know, yeah, Tom Brady just retired. I don't think he retired because he was burned out of football. He loves the game. He, he, he retired because he doesn't think he can be at his best and contribute to a team at his best anymore. Is probably if you got him in a closed room with no media, I think he'd say, I just don't think I can do it like I did. And I've done it forever. Right. So I'm done. But, you know, what you hope with a guy like that or, or the Serena's is that they go on to transfer that drive, not allow complacency to set in and transfer that drive to other areas of their life. Like I if Tom gets in the booth, you're going to see a guy who's going to want to be the best, the best at that. You know, he's got an apparel line and he's going to want it to be one, number one. He's going to want to chase and, and, and then he's going to keep going. It's never going to be enough. And that's that, you know, that's the mindset of the best. I, I love that you focused on the sustainability piece because you're 100 percent right. As humans, we have this, again, knack to put a finish line in place. You know, uh, someone the other day I said on social media, I said, you know, life's short. Take advantage of it. And somebody had said, sad, but exciting at the same time. And I said, yeah, imagine if life was just forever. Would you really take the opportunity to do the things that you want to do today? No, we would we would drag it out. There's actually a scientific term when you're given more time for a task, you will take all that time to complete that task, even if that task could be done in five or 10 minutes, but someone gave you an hour. That's just naturally what we do as human beings. So the fact that we have a stamp, a timeline on us really gives us the opportunity. Yeah, we can look at it as a, as a negative thing. Oh, I only have 80 years or, or whatever on this planet. You have 80 years to make an impact. You have 80 years to live your mission. You have 80 years to determine what that sustainability model is. And I love how you said those people like Serena Williams or Tom Brady or whoever, once they find out what that model is, that formula is, it can be applied wherever you want to go because you're spot on. Those types of people, whatever they do, whether it be a charity clothing line, 100%, they are going to put in the effort every single day in perpetuity because that is now their DNA structure. And what you had said earlier also was a, a valid valid point. So many of us walk around blindly thinking that this thing, or I'll just do this thing because it's what I should be doing. Is it really what you should be doing? Is it really what gives you happiness? Is it really what fulfills you every single day? If not, why the hell are you doing it? Yep. And we struggle with that. We struggle with that a lot. Yeah. I mean, Scott, I was a, I was a sports agent for almost 18 years 
a, a job that people would go, oh my God, like that's unbelievable. I, I mean, how, you know, everywhere, like when you'd be at a cocktail party, you'd be, how'd you get into this? I mean, how did you do this? I always wanted to be a sports agent and then this, and then they'd have these stories. And then I wrote a couple books and then people started saying, hey, will you come and speak about your book? And so I would start speaking about the book and I thought, wow, this is amazing. This message about what I have seen, the ingredients of a great athlete or a great coach, this is so transferable to the business world. And and as a woman delivering this message and a wife and a mother, it adds another layer that's kind of interesting. And so I stepped away from a business that people thought, you are insane. Like you have, we had 300 athletes, a team of agents. I mean, it was, why are you stepping out of, what are you doing? But to me, I'm actually truly living out, I believe now, more of what I was called to do, more of my purpose now. And so you also in life, when you're getting ready to make changes or tweaks, you, you lean on a handful of people that you know are going to give you honest, great feedback, that are going to give you strong advice. And, and, and then you got you to gotta let go of what the world might think and trust your, trust your gut and trust your instincts. And, and it's, it's not easy to do. But the truth is, the more you do it in little moments, then when you get to the big one, like switching your career or stepping into something, you, you've built that muscle, that muscle of kind of courage and drive and mindset and you know discipline and resilience and all the things that you're going to need when you step into this change. You've built it in the little moments along the way, in, in the failures, you've built it in the, in the good moments, and it just it strengthens that muscle when you step into the to the bigger ones, which is a full-on, at some level, career shift. You know, something I do with my teams is I do upward reviews all the time. And I do them, one, I do them once a month, and I have quarterly reviews with my team members. And I thought, why the hell am I not doing this in my personal life? And so a few years back, so it's like three or four years back, I decided who are the six closest people to me that I can go to every single month and just collect some feedback from them because we get so blinded that our perspective starts to get smaller and smaller and smaller. Either ego creeps in or we get cocky or whatever. And taking the opportunity, as you're saying earlier, to do film, to review film, I think that can be a awesome portal for so many people. And it is very uncomfortable at first because we don't like to hear the things that we may hear. But the only way that we are going to get through that is to hear them. And are there any tricks that you've heard, and maybe tricks is the right word, but any tactics to get really comfortable with it? Or from your perspective, is it just diving in headfirst and, and doing it? Doing, getting feedback? Yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, you know, one, I think one of the a powerful one is to shift from defensiveness when you're getting feedback to curiosity, which is a really big, I, I mean, when you really just think about you're getting feedback and you're going to shift to curiosity. In, in other words, it's a moment when you say, I'm going to first maybe assume they might be right, which is, that's an interesting way to take it, right? And it allows you then to drop the guard, to be authentically curious to maybe consider the fact that they might have something here. And if it's a, if it's a group of people in your life that you believe want nothing from you, but to, for you to be the best version of yourself, it's pretty powerful stuff, right? It can be a pretty powerful shift that, that at the end of the day is just a gigantic gift bomb to you. <laughs> if you can right. shift your mindset and take it in, 
it's probably going to create a situation in which you get to show up as a better mom, wife, leader, salesperson, whatever it is that you do every day. Yeah. Yeah. Cause when you get, when you're getting the feedback from those that are close to you, it's not malicious because you already know these people are close to you. So if they're close to you and they care about you, what can we inevitably draw from that? That they want what's best for you, right? So if they're going to be taking the opportunity to provide you with input from what they're seeing from their perspective, then they're doing it with the best intentions, even if it's unsolicited and you didn't ask for it. And I think that's where the veil drops almost like a a show that you go to and you're like, ah, that is the aha moment. That is the moment where I understand that these are pieces of information about a moment in time that I can get better in tomorrow's moment or next week's moment. And when we look at it that way, it's, it's powerful. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I think it's interesting to consider too, the power of the relationship before that moment comes. It, because if that relationship is really, really strong, really, like really strong, right? And, and, and I would say we all need, I don't know, probably anywhere between five and 10 of these people in our lives, right? For me, it's my, my brothers, my husband, my parents, several good girlfriends, my kids, my girls, my daughters are, you know, they're 20 and 19, 19. I mean, they, and I love it, but we need them. I mean, it, what makes me think about that relationship foundation as how powerful is I had a, I had a client once who was a on-air talent TV and he was so frustrated because he wasn't working as much as he wanted. He wanted more units. We called it right. He wanted to call more games. He wanted to do, he wanted to work more. And when I would talk to the network about what was going on, they're like, hey, Google his name. And when you would Google his name, what would come up, this is an on-air TV guy, what would come up is the best way to watch a game is with, and his name, I won't, on mute. The best way to watch a game is with him on mute, which was, whoo. I mean, there was like a, a, a group of, I mean, it was, it was on a the main above the fold when you Googled his name. I mean, this is not good. Right. So, so finally the network executive, we had a great relationship and he said, look, Molly, I mean, here, you, you do this when we're on the phone and I Googled, you know, he, he goes, that's what I'm dealing with. That's why he doesn't have more games because I've got all, I, this is real. And, and there's a bunch of it. And I had to go and sit with him. I'll never forget it. At a, at a, at a coffee shop we met. And I said, look, man, I love you, but I, I, I need to tell you what's going on. And, and I had to be, honest with him. But when, but when that moment showed up for both of us, the relationship was so good that he knew I wasn't doing it to build in an excuse for why I didn't have more work for him. He knew I wasn't doing it to hurt his feelings or do anything other than bro, here's what he's dealing with. And we got to fix this. And so we got to take all this good or bad, right or wrong. We got to take this in and, 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 and sit down with these guys at the network and listen and make some tweaks and use it to become better at what you do. And I think if we can do that authentically and with curiosity and with openness and maybe assume they're right, maybe we can grab some nuggets in there that then you can deploy that it will in turn get you more get more games. With, with that foundation, that relationship not being incredibly strong and authentic, that conversation could have been a full-on train wreck, right? With a guy, you know, shoving my computer shut. You're fired. I'm getting another agent. You don't get it. You don't have my back. You don't believe in me either. Right. That's what I could have gotten. But instead I got a guy who said, wow, okay. You know, let's figure this out. 
Yeah, the the approach, it's interesting that you bring up the other side of it, because it's not only receiving information that we struggle with, but for many of us, it's very uncomfortable giving that information. Those are some of the best breakthroughs with my mother as I've aged over the years is being able to have honest and open conversations with one another. I was probably in my early 20s before I got that what I felt was the platform to do that. And it was the best moment from a mother and a son that we got that opportunity. And I think it's so interesting when we actually can increase that skill, giving our close friends honest feedback and to be comfortable doing so. And I think certainly it's all with your approach to, you know, how you say things and the body language that you're that that you're pushing outward. I think getting someone comfortable or warmed up like we were doing before this podcast, right? that warm up period, that's pretty important too. tone and body language is everything. Yeah. And, and, and timing, right? I mean, timing matters, tone matters, body language, whether you do it in person, whether you do it virtually, whether you, all those things matter. And we, we teach that in our negotiation training program, because it is absolutely imperative that we consider these kinds of things. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes I believe people make when they negotiate is they spend all kinds of time thinking about what they want and why they deserve it and why they need it and and why they're right and all these things instead of pulling back and saying just a minute well let me get in their world yeah. what are they worried about where you know when i was negotiating baseball players contract or i wanted to know where what where's their payroll who's in the minor leagues who's on the free agent market like what what has the, been the history with the team with a guy in it all the things that you got to but but people often spend so much time worrying about what they want yeah. And not enough time getting into the head and the heart of the person that they're negotiating with. And then and then navigating that moment with all that data to assess tone, timing, how you show up, what matters to them, what do you lead with, what do you hold back, right? All that, it, it, it all matters and it all changes the outcome. Mm. Well, if you're if we're interacting with other great individuals, we've got to assume that they have values, they have a purpose, they have a mission. Okay, if that's the case and they have goals, hmm, I could probably assume what some of those are. And if I work backwards from there, I can probably get to the core of this conversation. And I, I tell my sales team all the time too: create value. Value is actually the currency of the world. It's not the actual deal or selling the product or any, that's all secondary in this line of, of carts, like a train. If you do that thing first, then all of the other stuff is a byproduct of it. It's like the exhaust of the car in order to emit those fumes, what do you need? You need an engine and a transmission to, to work together in order to get there. Okay. So how do we build those first? If we build those first, Everything else is going to be so easy. Just focus on that. Yeah, it's like invest in the relationship before maybe you need it, right? Like I, I always, I always used to say, you know, act like you have the business before you have the business. I tell salespeople that all the time, you know. And and, and to your point, like any, I do about a hundred keynotes a year, and and my favorite question on a pre-call before a keynote to the executives that are bringing me in is, what are these? What are, get me inside of their heads and what are they worried about? What do the best ones do? What's not working for them? What's coming down the pipe? I mean, get let's get in their head and heart and drive that knowledge and, and take that all in because all of that allows me to drop, to, to show up in a way that drives connection. And when we connect, and to your point, and when we pour in and add value and show preparation and show care, right? That we care. 
it's always amazing to me. I talk to other speakers and they're like, I don't do a pre-call. I'm like, how do you not do a pre? Like, I couldn't no more stand in front of a thousand people who I didn't know if they were financial advisors or medical device sales or work for an automotive company. I mean, so, and you know what? And what's cool too, it doesn't really take a lot of time to get inside of other people's worlds. Like, and, and you know, part of this comes from Scott, like when, when I was an agent, when you have a player, so I was putting, you know, I'd be putting my daughters to bed, let's say guys games, you know, baseball game maybe ends at 10, 10 30. They, they go back, they shower, they change, they goof around with their buddies for a minute, whatever. Then they, they, they head home. And a lot of times if they had a really great night, for example, or a tough night, you know, they call me on their way home from the park. You can't pick up a phone from a guy who went three for four with a bomb in the bottom of the night to win the game and go, Hey dude, what's up? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. You got to pick up the phone and go, bro, that was insane. Oppo field bottom of the ninth. Like what? Yeah. You, you, so all that, all that was like so instilled in me that I don't know how you cannot pick up the phone and get in the head and the heart of the person before you do it. Right. And part of that's from mistakes. I remember when I first got into the business, I picked up one of my one of my young guys. He was a minor league guy. And I called him at like I got into the office, you know, sitting on go. Right. Call him at 830 in the morning. I wake him up and he goes, Mom, don't call me before noon. Right. (laughs) Don't ever call me before noon. Like, I love you, but don't call me before noon. Yeah. And it's because, dude, he, he, you know, he got home from the park and drank beers till 12 or one in the morning and went to sleep. And that's that's just their schedule. So you gotta stop for a minute, get in people's worlds and 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 connect, whether it's in negotiation or leadership or because you know the thing that I say a lot when I'm speaking is so many people, everybody in the world has shit going on, right? They got shit, stuff, you know, coming at them. I mean, when we jumped on, you said, Miles, sorry, yeah, we we're getting ready for a baby. You know, that's big stuff, right? So everybody's got stuff, good, bad, right? Real, what all that personal, professional, physical, mental, emotional, relational stuff. Getting in there and kind of getting as much as you can drives connection and it changes the relationship. And I think, yes, I think value drives all of our business success. It's, it's huge. But I think relationships is, is running a tight race with it, right? Yeah. I mean, I think being, you know, relationships are everything in business, everything. I mean, it, it, um, you know, whether it's with the people that you lead or the customers that you work with, it's massive. That real authentic, powerful connection is huge. Well, in this relationship piece and, and time, time is our most valuable asset. If you're a billionaire, millionaire, can't buy more of it. You can buy a lot of other things. You can't buy more time. And we actually all understand the value of time. We may not actually take action like we should on time, but when someone else takes their time to spend with you or hear what you're going through or ask better questions or sift through all of this data, then you go, oh, wow, this this person actually cares. And I think about how that domino effect hits into the next thing. How might that person, when he or she goes home, treat their spouse? Like I had a really tough day, but my manager or my leader actually took some time to understand what was going on. And through that, I actually had a 
a good day, all things considered. And that's, you know, a, a hopeful outcome. But I, it's just so fascinating how we all understand the value of that time because the emotions that are elicited when someone takes the time to understand what we're going through or what we're struggling with. It's crazy, you know, as you're walking outside, how many people you pass and you're just like, I wonder what they're going through today. Because we just lack so much context in life as to this craziness that you're talking about psychologically, with the family, whatever, with things that you need to pick up or buy at the grocery store. It's endless when you just take the time to actually ask better questions and spend the time with people. You find out a lot of information, a lot of information. Well, and I think, you know, good or bad, right or wrong, sometimes when you find yourself in those moments with people who, for whatever reason, don't think... Or it's not common for somebody in your shoes to ask them about them, right? Whether it's somebody picking you up in an Uber, whether it's the hygienist at the dentist office, whether it's the mailman. that, But when you just take a minute in those moments and say, I'm going to just try to be a joy bomb here for a minute, Mm -hmm. right? Like you don't even know what that might do for them, right? But- but I would push on you a little bit on that, Scott. Like, I, I think time is incredibly important. I do. And we all have the same, you know, limited, et cetera. We get 24, all that stuff. But I would argue that energy is actually more important. And the only reason I say that is I, I have seen so many people in life, you, you know, a lady that I work with says, look, she used to have, you know, where you have a lot of time, but you don't have the energy in that moment. You know, there's a lot of moms and dads that come home from the office and they're home at night and they have time with their kids, but they don't have the energy that they need to give to those sweet, precious little children. And so I think that it's about saying, how do I optimize my energy so that I can optimize my time? Because there's just a laundry list of, I think, people who have the time, but not the energy to give. Yeah, that's such a valid point. Yeah. If we have this limited time, then that means the moments within that time, we should give ourselves the energy to take advantage of said time. And that's where I find that I optimize the hell out of my life because I realize that, well, I only have, we're awake for 14, 16 hours, the average person. Okay. Well, that means I only have so much to give. And I know at some point I'm going to crash. So where are my optimal times in the day where I have my highest highest energy? That's where my most difficult tasks are going to be placed and then optimize for that. You know, back to your, to the conversation about taking time though. You know, I went on this winter sleigh ride uh, back in December with my wife and this guy all day, it was like 10 degrees out, taking people round and round on this sleigh. You could tell he was frigging cold. He was exhausted and he just, it seemed tired. And I just started firing questions like, how many people come on the sleigh? How much you charge for a head on the sleigh? I find out this guy's doing $3 million in sleigh rides for three months. And he was so excited to talk about it. He's like, holy shit, nobody's ever asked or cared about these things. And then I think about, wow, I wonder what he's going to go home and like tell his kids like how his day was. Like That's fun to to speculate. If you're going to speculate something, that's some fun stuff to, to speculate. But that's so cool, man, because that's anchored in curiosity, right? right? Like to, to your point, I mean, there and and I think it's a so much more it's a it's a much more interesting way right isn't it to go on a sleigh ride I 100%. mean yeah you could put your arm around your wife and looked out and it probably would have been great maybe you could do two laps and get a little bit more but, but the fact that you got to ask a bunch of questions and learn and listen to his world 
It's a powerful thing, I think. And that's the one thing on my podcast that comes up all the time with the best of the best is they're all curious, all of them from entertainers to CEOs, to entrepreneurs, to authors, to athletes, to coaches that are curious. I mean, the best coaches in the world, like one of my clients, Tom Izzo, Michigan State men's coach. I mean, he'll, he'll pick up the phone and call. Kobe was one of the best at this, but he'll, he'll pick up the phone and call the women's you know, softball coach at, at Michigan when she was there. Now there's a new, but to ask her questions, to learn, to listen. Right. And, and that's what, that's what the best of the best do. They're constantly curious and asking the people around them questions or reaching out to people just so that they can learn and just take something from it to get better. It makes the experiences too so much more fun. Even if you're waiting for coffee, guess what? That barista, I bet has a shit ton of information that you weren't even aware of. You can make a game out of it. Like, where do they source their products? Like, how many people come through the store every day? It makes those moments that are, you know, not so, a lot of people have trouble tolerating them because they're in a rush to do something. It makes it that much more enjoyable. And every step in life, don't we want it to be enjoyable? So cool, we get to enjoy the moment and we get to learn something new. That's a pretty good trade-off for a $7 coffee, whatever coffee's up to nowadays. Like that makes it really fun. And we don't need to, you know, what one of the, we were talking about prep earlier before I hop on these podcasts. One of them is I just do gratitude. I do it every morning, but again, when I hop on these, what am I grateful for? And it's that I get to talk to experts such as yourself and absorb their wisdom, but it's not, we all have that opportunity. Everybody's an expert in their own thing, whatever that might be, being a parent or being an Uber driver, whatever it might be. And you can learn something that will be applicable to something that you're going through in life. I guarantee it. And that is like, wow, that's endless. I got a, I got a lot. I got a lot to learn. That's fun. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. It's a way more interesting way to live. And, and to me, it's a, it's a powerful way to make an impact. You know, I always... I always tell young people, right? When you ask for advice, you get a job. And when you ask for a job, you get advice, <laughs> yeah. right? Because I feel like so often people just get excited about the moment that they're, you know, I, when I would have young kids that wanted to be sports agents and they would come meet with me in the office. And what I found would happen a lot is they'd just be so excited that they got this meeting, right? But they hadn't taken the time to get curious, have a little something up their sleeve for that meeting, you know, and and, and be fully prepared for it, Right. They're waiting for some silver bullet of, of just, this is it. This is how you do it. And, you know, there, there aren't silver bullets, right? And so, you know, curiosity is, um, you know, it's about asking great questions and listening. And, you know, you absolutely do that, obviously, given the work that you do too. But it's, a, it's powerful. Yeah. The, the, the breadcrumbs of life. Full circle back to the ingredient card that we were talking about at the beginning, right? Well, Molly, this is this has been an absolute pleasure. How long have you been doing your podcast, by the way? I was like scrolling through and I got back to 2018. I'm like, man, she's been doing this forever. I thought I was in the podcast game for for a while. How, how long have you been doing it? Well, that's props to my uh, COO who said, you know, in 2018, I think it was, she said, you know, we need to do a podcast. And I was like, oh my gosh, how do we have time to do a podcast? You know, but <laughs> but let me tell you something. I mean, yeah, I've been, I think I've been doing it for since since 2018. And, you know, we release every other Thursday, and yeah, you know, it is, I love it. I mean, just being able to, you know, talk to incredible people and listen and learn and, and share those conversations with others. I mean, it's, it's amazing. I'm, I'm super grateful that, 
that she brought that forward to me a long time ago. And, you know, what, what's so fun is when you're out and about in the world and people go, man, you know, that conversation you had with Troy Aikman the other day, or that one with Matthew McConaughey, like that was so, and you feel like you're helping. I mean, you, you, you feel like you're, you're dropping some, you know, content bombs on people that's helping them. It's awesome. Yeah, you've put quite the ripple in the world. I could tell from the people, comments I've read online, even going on your Twitter, you have some valid points and the questions that you ask on the pod too. I was watching some of the clips with Troy Aikman. I love it. I love it. So where can people find the podcast? You've got four books too. Where can people find the books and uh, anywhere else people should, should follow you? Yeah, the podcast is Game Changers with Molly Fletcher. And it, you know it's everywhere that people listen to their, to their podcast, Spotify, all of it. Yeah. And then, you know, my books are on Amazon, but mollyfletcher.com is a great place to go if you want, you know, some more. And then the podcast, of course, is you can, you can grab from there or anywhere else. Love it. Yeah. Grab those, those ripples from Molly, especially the TED Talk. The TED Talk was great. Thanks for listening to The Motivated Mind with your host, Scott Lynch. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive into chasing the pursuit of better with Molly Fletcher. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Motivated Scott. Don't forget to join me every Monday and Thursday for new episodes. I love you all, and thanks so much for listening. Motivated Mind is a legacy division.